really good to be able to come together and to have a chance to answer your questions. Uh, you can ask questions in all sorts of ways. You can do it old school and fill in one of the Connect cards and put that in the box at the back. Or you can do what all of the questions did this week, and that is just send me a text message or an email. There are three questions. The first one's this. Why are the disciples often asleep at... Yeah, screen's going funny places. Uh, why are the disciples often asleep at important times? Well, I don't know if you've noticed this too. When you, you look at the Transfiguration, which is what we saw last week, as Andy uh, opened up that chapter from Luke's Gospel... They're walking up. Jesus says, hey, look, let's go for a bushwalk. They go up to the top of a mountain and Jesus is there with Elijah and Moses. And what do the disciples do? The three disciples, they fall asleep. And you think, oh, really? How is that possible? And then you sort of see another time where it's really important they don't fall asleep. And that's the night when Jesus is arrested. And Jesus says to his disciples, stay awake. And they just can't stop nodding off and nodding off, as they did on several occasions. You think, oh, these guys must fall asleep all the time. Well, I had a bit of a look. I think it's just those two, uh, two spots, but they're significant things. And the question is, why is it that they are often asleep at these, at least these two important times? And I think the first answer is because they're human. Uh, obviously, they were. Uh, that, you know, you'd think that if you were there, you'd stay wide awake and be totally attentive. But clearly. It wasn't possible for them to do so. They were just so fatigued and overwhelmed that they fell asleep. But I think the second interesting thing is that you can't make this stuff up, right? I mean, if you were going to invent this moment when three disciples went up with their leader to go to the top of a mountain to have an experience, a supernatural experience, you probably wouldn't have them going, you know, Wake up, Jeff. You know, you wouldn't expect that to be happening in the middle of the Bible. Like, you can't make this stuff up. And so we see a humanity there. We see an authenticity there. And it's right here as the disciples are being very human. Question two. If the disciples were asleep, how do they know the details of the transfiguration? That's a good, good question. Uh, well, I think the first thing is they probably might have said to Jesus, uh, what were you talking about when we were asleep? And he said, ah, OK, I'll tell you. And so then they'd be able to write it down. But uh, we actually don't know a lot about what they spoke about. There's only just the fact that they did and, and, a, and a little brief summary there. And so we don't know all the details, but we know enough. And that's what we have in God's word. Uh, the third and final question is what does the Bible teach about divorce, being widowed and remarriage in two minutes? Well, uh, the long answer is, well, the short long answer is, have a listen to the sermons that we went through last year in 1 Corinthians. Uh, if you look at chapter 7, there were three talks all on that chapter, which tells us lots of things about these three issues. If you ever want to get a chance to have a look at some older sermons, then if you go to the URL watch.jambrewanglican.com, then if you go there and scroll down, you'll see there's a, a button that says sermon library. If you click on that, it takes you to our Vimeo site and it's got videos from years back of our church services and you can check out that particular mini-series from chapter 7. But with all of that in mind, let me say just a couple of things about these topics for our benefit. Uh, the further first is that these things affect all of us in different ways. We are all impacted in some way about divorce or the death of a spouse 
or, or remarriage or, or not being married or a whole lot of things related to this all affect us in different ways, whether it's you or whether it's a person that you live with. And so these, this is sort of, we're, we're playing with live ammunition here when we're talking about these issues. They're, they cut to our hearts and I want to recognise that, that it's deeply personal. I want to also say that God speaks to us in the Bible about ourselves and about how he wants us to live. And so we don't have to sort of stab in the dark. It's not kind of pub test sort of, I don't know, that. Oh, what do you think about that? I don't know, what do you think about that? We actually have God's clear word about these things. And so that's a great relief. So what do we know about this and what can we say? The first thing is God hates divorce. And I can understand that. We all should hate divorce. God hates divorce because at the heart of divorce is a broken promise. See, promises really matter a lot. The way in which we come to know God is by believing a promise. That's what the gospel message, the good news is. It's a promise. And so God says, if you believe in me, you will be saved. And if he broke his promise, he said, oh, yeah, not you. <laughs> Sorry. He'd say everything in the universe collapses. So promises matter completely. And so that's why God hates divorce and so should we. But marriages do break up, and there are various reasons for them. Uh, one of them is because a spouse dies. And the Bible says that at the moment that a spouse dies, then that person who survives them is then free to marry again. The marriage has finished with the death of a spouse. Another reason that the marriage might break up is because of unfaithfulness. Uh, one of the members of the marriage, one of the spouses, may break the marriage by being unfaithful to their spouse. Another scenario which we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is where the spouse doesn't follow Jesus. They're an unbelieving spouse. And the Bible actually says that in that situation, if they walk away from the marriage, presumably because they don't want to have anything to do with a Christian, then the Bible says that, that you are then free, that the marriage can break up and then... It's, um, it's appropriate to then consider remarriage if that's the case. But in, in both of those cases, the believer who has been abandoned is free to divorce to show that the marriage is finished and then to remarry in due course. But there's another thing that needs to be put into the mix, and that is abuse. When there is abuse within the marriage, it's appropriate for there to be a separation so that there can be safety come, come on and there can be repentance and restraint. There's a place for a separation under those circumstances. And if the abusive spouse continues to cause harm and danger, and if there's no repentance and change, then eventually it may be that they will have been shown to have deserted their spouse, effectively breaking their marriage vows and then divorce may follow, after which remarriage can be considered. But in this whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 7, which is worth having a look at yourself again, there's, a, there's another message in it, and that is Paul says to the church at Corinth, and therefore God says to us by the Spirit, life is short. Don't spend your whole life thinking getting married is everything. It's actually, it's worth it to actually not get married, he says in this situation, because time is short. See, we mustn't idolise marriage. And in fact, in the new creation, there will not be marriage except us to Christ. And so in that way, even as we are unmarried, 
we can consider whether it is even necessary to get married so that we might devote ourselves to what is most important and that is having a relationship with Jesus and spreading that great message with others as well. Now this is a short answer and there's a lot in that and if you want to ask more questions give me a follow-up. If you want to chat about it come and speak to me or a trusted Christian uh, because it's important for us to hear what God has to say about these really important things. Uh, to know that he loves us and loves you and to know what it means in these situations to understand marriage in a biblical way. Thank you so much for your questions. We're now going to have our prayer time.